Good evening and welcome to my podcast. My name is Pastor Edwin. Welcome again to another session of OSL, Operation Solid Lives, uh, Level 2 Faith Builders. Uh, we've been doing the series of Blood Covenants. And in this setting, we're going to do um, a session called Two Immutable Things in the Blood Covenant uh, series. And uh, I'd like for you guys to open up to Hebrews chapter 9 real quick. And hold your finger there. As you know, we've been doing a lot of these things coming forward. And I'm glad that we're starting into this new one uh, of the two immutable things, which it uh, concludes with all the other uh, uh, series of the um, Blood Covenants. And especially those that the Blood Covenant Friendship and Marriage Part 2, where it was a big ending. And I want to open up here with this here in prayer in just a second. But remind you guys to uh, take your notes Pull out a pen and a pad if you need to take notes for this. Uh, thank you for being here. Okay. Um, yes. So let's open up in prayer so we can get into the two immutable things. All right. Heavenly Father, I come to you with an open heart thanking you for today. Thank you for the time that we're able to come together here as one, Lord, to receive the absolute truth that you have placed in our hearts and our minds through the Holy Spirit. We pray to you, Holy Spirit, to uh, be present with us here wherever everyone whoever is tuning in lord where they're at lord that you may be uh, present in their lives and to keep them from any distractions and focus on what god wants them to learn today about him and, and and how great he is and how come he loves us the way he does father i thank you um for all the things that you provide for us lord for this setting thank you for the always south setting thank you for jerry dearman his obedience to to seek you and, and find holy uh, um, ways to um, that you have set in his heart and his mind that we he can share with others that we can bring into the communities that we're facing and, and, and working with and loving on and um, especially the culture today Lord we thank you and we glorify you by doing this in the name of Jesus Christ amen amen okay brothers and sisters again open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6 and we're gonna get into this real quick um, we're, we may have we will have two parts of the um, two immutable things again if you're writing this down it is the series blood covenant okay and this session is two immutable things hebrews chapter six just hold your finger right there real quick um well if you have your uh, make sure if you have them uh, all your textbooks and everything ready to go uh, if you're recording get ready to press record and so forth if not you're listening to this recording then you have it already recorded. <laughs> so Hebrews chapter 6, and it says here, and I believe, uh, before we start, I believe that God is going to seal his word and build your confidence in his word uh, to such a point that the enemy won't be able to shake it from this point on. And wouldn't that be good? Yes, it would be good. And the enemy wouldn't be able to convince you any more of anything else or even make you doubt and wonder as to whether or not God wanted to bring his promises to pass in your life, would that be good? That's the place that God wants you to wants us to get to today, and to where you don't want to doubt anymore that the Lord wants to bring it to pass. And so here in Hebrews chapter six, we're not going to delay any longer. We're going to begin reading in just a moment, in verse nine. But before we do, let me remind you that we started off this whole blood covenant series in the book of Genesis, where God had come to a man named Abraham and said, "I want to bless you." I want to multiply you. I want to become a blessing 
to other, I want you to become a blessing to other people. And the Bible says that a certain at a certain point he took Abraham out and he said, Look at the stars. Can you count all of those? Hey man, no. And he said, You're 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 um your descendants, and he's uh, um, talking to a man now that's 75 years old. His wife is 65. His wife has not been able to bear any children at all whatsoever. And God says, your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky. And the Bible says that Abraham believed God in chapter 15 of Genesis. And, and God accounted it to him for righteousness. You understand that? That when you believe God and trust God, then what are you? Oh, yeah, walking. You're, you're, it's accounted as righteousness. The next thing God said is, uh, God says, now look around and look at the land, see all this land that all of these Hedatites and Amorites and so forth and Hevites and, and even the termites and remember those guys. God says, I'm going to give you all this land. And instead of the Bible saying, and Abraham believed God needed candidate information. No, candidate information. No, 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 no. As the Bible says, and Abraham said, how shall I know? Okay, and that's the point. I want you to write that down right now and put on there. How shall I know? Because you're you're gonna ask these questions if you've not already asked them in your life. How shall I know when events happen and take place in your in your in your lives? Um, we did do a short devotion on how shall I know uh, not long ago. I think the other day, and um, but it's all to glorify God in understanding how you will know how to know that you're going to give it to me. And that's then God said, all right, bring out some animals. And God didn't tell him what to do. If you remember, he brought him out and he knew exactly what God was saying. And God says, bring it out and I'll swear it in blood. Then I'll do it. Now, now where we started is where we're going to end up tonight because you're going to see exactly what God had in mind when he did that to Abraham and how God answered his question. How shall I know? Have you ever asked that question? Have you ever thought it inside of your mind before? And I'm sure, yeah. And I see what the Bible says. I see the promises. I see that God loves me. I see that he wants to bless me. I see that he wants to forgive me. I see that he wants to heal my body. I see that he wants to give me a future of hope, forget my past and all those good promises. But how do I know that he really wants to do it for me? How do I know that I'm not such a, a blow. I'm not going to blow it, and, and I'm because I'm not so I'm so unworthy. You know, I'm going to blow it. I'm so unworthy, or that I haven't messed up God's plan or anything like that, or disappointed Him to the point that God says, "You know what? We'll, we'll just do the best that we can." But but I'm not going to bring all these things past for you. Maybe, maybe I'll heal you, or somebody else. You know, not you. Maybe I'll answer my promise and somebody else and somebody else's prayer. I don't know, but. Not you. Yeah, right. So you need to see tonight God's intention. That's not what God would do. When Abraham asked what the, that, that question that we talk about, how shall I know? When Abraham asked, how shall I know? God says, bring out the animals. Come on, bring them on. Now we're here in Hebrews chapter 6. Let's begin the verse 9. You remember what it means by bringing on the animals. It's covenant talk, right? Bring on the animals. We're going we're gonna, to uh, uh, shed some blood here. We're going to do some sacrifices. We're going to cut the throats of the animals. We're going to split them in half. We're going to do the things that, that we've talked about. We've learned through the series of blood covenants and how we come into a covenant with God. Here we are. So in verse um, 9 of chapter 6 in Hebrews, 
It says, but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. Bear, we notice that before things that um, accompany salvation, when you get a job, you want to talk about the salary, right? What does it pay? And also, what do you, what you want to know? What are, what are the fringe benefits? Uh, all that stuff, right? Well, what are, what are the, um, uh, the benefit package? What about that? And how many of you know that's important too? And sometimes salary becomes a secondary issue because another company might offer you the same salary. But the benefits are different. And if, and if you don't have an insurance for your family and so forth, if you don't have any retirement or anything like that, maybe you'd be willing to go to a different job because the benefits you know, are better in the other area. And notice what he says here. He says, we're confident of better things. We're confident of better things. And yes, things that accompany salvation. These things that accompany salvation, you may have not noticed that there's things that accompany salvation. There's more to receive Jesus and coming into covenant with Jesus than just being forgiven from your sins. Did you know that there are things that accompany this? There are things that are benefits that go along with it, like Psalms 103. Uh, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. These are things that accompany salvation. Now, the central key issue is to be born again, to be forgiven from your sins, and to make it into heaven for eternity. That's the key issue issue here. If you're only going to get one, get that one right, okay? And, and, well, once you have that one, well, there's no sense in missing out on all the other things, right? I mean, why miss out on it? I mean, there's a lot of people that rather not, but I say it's great to go out to dinner and, and to get a steak if you like steak. But you know what? They also have baked potatoes. They have vegetables. They have a salad. They have soup. They have dessert. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, you, you know exactly what I mean by this, right? Where you, there's more to it than just the steak. You don't have to just have steak. There's more to it. There's some things that come with this salvation. He says things that accompany salvation. Though we speak in this manner for God is not unjust. I like that, don't you? And God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, uh, and that you have ministered to the saints and still minister. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those. Now, notice this. Imitate those who, through faith, those through faith and patience, inherited they inherit the promises. What are they saying? Follow after the, and imitate. Be like people walk in the footsteps of people who through faith and patience have figured out how to get the promises that are in the Bible that they, they bought at the bookstore or at the church. Those promises from that book. How to get those to actually come to life in their, in their life. Follow those people. Not just the person that can speak articulately about it. Uh, and, and follow the people that can actually get the Bible to come to life around you. And, and you know what that is. If you've seen it before, you know what that is. So are, are those are the people you want to follow. And how do you, you get the promises? And I don't mean follow like follow before God. No, you're following God and listening to the word of God. And, you're, and when it comes to scripture and things like that. But you're watching. You're learning from those next to you. Right? Those that are walking in faith and walking in the righteousness of God. And the promises, you see them, the promises of God come to life in them. So how do you get it to happen in your life? 
how do you get your life to experience the word, right? That's what he's saying here. Don't be sluggish. You notice how some Christians are sluggish. They, they sort of just kind of keep going on from week to week, but, but they're not really in it. They're not really focused. They're not really getting these promises to actually manifest in their life. He said, don't be like that. God does not want you to be like that. God does not want you to become complacent or sluggish. He wants you to be on it. He wants you to be focused. He wants you to be after something. Well, I like that, my brother. Uh, my brother gives us sometimes. And sometimes we he could get distracted with this or that. He'll say, but, I, but I'm not going to do that because we're working on something here. We're working on something. How many of you know it takes more than faith? It takes patience. It'd be great if you just prayed a little prayer and all of a sudden everything just happened within a couple of days every time. But that's not the way it works. Man, you got to stick with it. You really got to stick with it, don't you? I mean, you have to. You have to hang with this thing and stick it out. And when it looks like it's not going to work, you got to keep saying no. It's going to work because the word of God says it's going to work. I'm in covenant with God. And that's key right there to understand what it is to be in covenant with God. You're not going to get anywhere in this in understanding any of these things if you have not focused and completely convinced yourself that you are in covenant with God. And what does that mean? That's every day, every minute of your life, every second of your life, when you're sleeping, when you're awake, when you're bathing, when you're brushing your teeth, when you're walking outside, when you're just drinking a cup of coffee, whatever it is, you're going to work and driving to work, whatever it is, you're praising his name, throwing your hands up and singing hallelujah. He is in covenant with you. You're in covenant with God. And what does that mean in your life? What does that mean to you? Think about that. Uh, write that down. What does being in covenant with God mean to me? What does being in covenant with God mean to me? Right? So we'll continue on. So he says, uh, uh, imitate people that are like that, that stick it out, that believe the word when it doesn't look like it's going to work. And these people are getting the promises of the word of God to actually come to pass in their life. I know you've sat back and said, well, what's going on here? I'm doing the same thing they're doing, aren't I? No, you're missing something. Though it may not happen as fast as they want it to, it but it happens. Get behind those people and walk in their footsteps and do what they do and say what they say so that it begins to happen in your life. Now, that's the note, okay, that he's completely on right now when he when we come uh, uh when we come to verse 13 and it says for in other words this is a connecting word it says for when god made a promise to abraham because he could swear by no one greater he swore by himself saying surely blessing i will bless you and multiplying i will multiply you and so after he uh, abraham had patiently endured he obtained the promise so he's still talking about the same thing Abraham got the promise. He got his son Isaac, didn't he? After he had patiently endured, he got his son. It, it took him longer than he wanted it to maybe longer than it should have, 25 whole years. I mean, look at that. From the time God first spoke to him. But he got it. He did get it. Understand that he got it. Understand that. Understand, understand, understand that he got it. Now, I believe that he could have, um, I believe this. It, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but... The principle does show it. I believe that he could have had his son earlier than that. 
I believe that, but he, 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 he got it. That's the point, right? I mean, there's different things that, that trajectory thoughts in my, in your mind about this. And especially when they were disobedient and you know, when you're disobedient with God, it, um, what happens, you know, we, we sin, we end up sinning against God and, um, we are separated because of that. Um, so at that point we can look at that and say, he could have had a son earlier if he was him. He didn't listen to Sarah again. Sarah was telling him, just go ahead go with my maid. Uh, uh and this isn't going to happen. She convinced them in, uh, doubting God, basically, and not to put her down, but this is what happens, you know, and he went and did this thing. So this is what we're talking about here that, I mean, it doesn't say it, but the principles do show it. All these principles here, everything that took place show that he could have had a son earlier than that. Okay. So how many of you know when, when, uh, we don't get down on people when it takes longer than it should? We just don't. If they stick it out, if they even stuck it out all that time, I mean, and they got it were, and we're proud of them, we're, we're gonna be like praising God because they finally got it. You see, it's kind of like my wife and I for so many years, uh, before Christ, we couldn't have any children. And then once we surrendered our hearts and our minds and our lives to Christ in a way that still today some people don't understand and we just can't explain it, but it's God, then, and we received the promise that we asked for. And, and that's a blessing, right? So we received the blessing. We started to have children after my wife was also deemed as barren and could not have children. That um, even my my one of my sisters, uh, my sister Lucy, even offered to uh, be a surrogate as well because people believed that um, uh, that love that Lily and I, uh, my wife and I, we shared. And here in other cases, if we don't get it as fast as we want to, we can't beat these people down, you know, just don't give up. In verse 16, for men indeed swear by the greater and in oath for confirmation is for them. And end, and an end, an end of all disputes, it says. What, what is that saying? It's saying back in these days, the Abraham days, if you said, I'm going to do something. And that person said, how do I know you're going to do it? And they say, well, bring out the animals. I'll swear to you. And they cut the animals and they cut the ribs and they come into blood covenant. Now, I, I know you're going to do it. Why? Because your blood is my blood. Your life is my life. We're, we're the same person that we're the same life now. So I know that you're going to do it. We're in the covenant together. And without having to do this, see, and that's the one part that we talk about through scripture. A lot of ministers try to share with their listeners or the, those that are, are, are taking notes, um, being in covenant with God, see, does it take you to be in pain? Someone would say, well, one day God will show me. And, and I would say things like, well, don't let him show you uh, uh, to the point where you're hurt, that you receive pain in your life, where he has allowed something uh, drastic that happened in your life to bring you to your knees and crawling back to him saying, forgive me, Lord, or, or now I see, you know, that kind of thing. It, it, it doesn't have to take that. It, you have what you need in front of you. The Holy Scriptures, you have to build up that faith by listening and watching and understanding what it is that God wants you to understand and see. The problem is that we follow man as well. We listen to what they're saying and how they're doing things. And the that little question inside your mind isn't answered completely as far as, well, wait a minute, that's not of God. Why are we doing it? And you never stand firm on it. You just roll with the punches and just ride along, you know. And when you come to find out, you've never reached that point where you needed to reach. Okay, so 
we're we're the same person that we're the same life now, okay, in covenant after we cut our wrists and we got these animals blood all over. We're in covenant together. And if you don't do it, you know. And this is Abraham time. When you don't do it, you know you're going to die. So now I know you're going to do it because of those things, you know, in front of principles that are laid out on the table. So what it says, let's read it again because it's a little bit tricky. For men indeed swear by the greater. What does that mean by the greater? They swear by God. Uh, I swear by something greater. God couldn't swear by anybody greater because there is nobody greatest. So he swore by himself. He went as high as he, as he could, right to himself, right? I swear to me, he said. You know, basically we say, uh, uh, so help me God in a courtroom. And people say, I swear to God, which is not a great thing to say. But in a covenant, that's the thing you want them to say. Inside of a covenant deal, you want them to say. Because you're saying, if I don't do it, God will get after me. That means that I'm serious about this. So once again, look at verse 16 for men. Indeed, swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation. In other words, when you swear it in blood to confirm what you promised already and it is for them. And all to end all dispute, right? For who? For men, for people. Notice the next verse, does God. God realized that for um, people on the earth, if somebody made a promise that a lot of times wasn't enough. It really wasn't. But when they would swear it in blood, that would end the dispute for sure. Now we know. Now we know you're going to do it because you've sealed it in blood. You know, you'll have to die if you, to get out of this. And there's a lot of gangs today, or not today, they're still around today, but it started years ago in the 70s that you had, um, there was, uh, um, you had to bleed to come into it. And you have to die. Either you can't get out unless you die. Now you swore to do it. God noticed this, determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise. The immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. Now I need to stop there because we, we don't use the word immutability so much in our in everyday language, right? Um, yeah, well, you know, this immutability that I'm carrying around right here. No, we don't use it like that, right? It, so what does it mean? It means um, unchangeableness. Uh, immutability means unchangeableness. Uh, something that is immutable it is unchangeable. It cannot be changed. So it says this. It says this. This God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise. Okay. God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise. In other words, he made a promise to them. And because he wanted to show them more abundantly that what he had said was unchangeable. He confirmed it by an oath. What was the oath? The blood covenant. It ended up being Jesus. But at that time, it was Abraham splitting the animals and God going through the smoke even. And the burning torch going through the animals and God made a blood covenant. So notice what's happening here. The Bible here is pointing out that the reason why God came into blood covenant in the first place with men was this one central reason to convince us that we made a promise. Now write that down. God it was to convince us, all right? The central promise, the central reason I mean to convince us what men he made promise, when he made a promise, he was to keep it to convince us of that very thing that he was going to keep it. Now, back when Abraham was there, he didn't have Isaiah 55 11, where it says, 
for my thoughts are not your thoughts in verse 8. And then he goes on to say, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing for which I said. He didn't have Jeremiah uh, uh, um, 11.2 where God says, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. One translation said, I'm watching over my word to perform it. He didn't have that. He didn't have Titus 1-2 that says, God cannot lie. And see, these verses were not a part of his Bible. Abraham didn't have this tucked away somewhere. You know, there was no Bible at that point. So what did God do? God says, I know what it will take to convince them that when I promise something, I'm going to bring it to pass. Now, it wasn't God trying to convince himself. It was God trying to convince human beings, Abraham. And so to notice again, and notice again, that this God determining the show more to the show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, the immutability or the unchangeableness of his counsel. Now, when it comes to when you say counsel, when you counsel somebody, what do you do to them? What do you do to them when you're counseling someone? You spit on them, you kick them around, you push them around, you give high fives and all that stuff. No. What do you do? You speak words to them, don't you? Yes, when you counsel someone, you speak words to them. That's what you're doing. You're speaking words. And God wanted to show that the words that he had spoken to Abraham, the counsel that he had given him, you get out of your land, uh, get out of your land, get away from your family, get out, and I will bless you. I will multiply you. God wanted to convince Abraham that what he had counseled him to do was really going to come to pass. And so when Abraham said, Lord, how shall I know? that you will do it because I'm bringing the animals out. And why? Because he wanted to prove and seal it, not to himself and their consciousness beyond all doubt. I want to prove to you that I will do this. I will keep my promise to you. So notice again that God, some powerful verses here that we overlook so many times. I always say that. We got to come back and reread and reread, right? And determine you can see the intent of God here. To show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, the immutability, the unchangeableness of his counsel for his words. Confirmed it, or the cross reference says guaranteed it with an oath. And notice this, that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation uh, 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 who have fled for refused to lay hold of the hope set before us. Notice he says that by two immutable or two unchangeable things in which it is impossible, impossible for God to lie. We might have strong constellation. Uh, constellation means comfort. Uh, constellation comfort, you should feel very comfortable. In fact, that there are two things that make it absolutely impossible. Say impossible. It's impossible. What is impossible? It cannot happen, right? That's impossible. How many times we see things and, and people try and try and try and try and we're like, it's impossible. Uh, there's just no way to do that. But with God, it's absolutely impossible. There are two things that make it absolutely unconditionally impossible for God to lie. And here's what they are. Number one, his word. So shall my word be. He promised it. Number two, he swore in blood, the blood of Jesus. And what does it say? That by two unchangeable things, 
You know why God came into blood covenant? So that we would be absolutely convinced if we didn't believe it when he said it the first time. He says, I'll swear in blood. God swore in blood. What is he saying? It's like when we were kids and, and some of you uh, did that, right? You made these promises. Yeah, I promise. And you know, how? when we are kids, we make all these little things. Yeah, if you go there, I believe him and he does this. And I'll be your best friend after all this stuff. It makes no sense to us as kids, but we still did it. We were serious. You give me those morals and I'll be your best friend. You know, you see? You give me all those 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 deck of cards that you're collecting and I'll be your best friend forever. Promise? Promise. <laughs> and then it was somebody else. The same thing tomorrow. The next day you say the same thing. So it really meant nothing. See, we don't believe anybody. And Abraham didn't believe God. And you know what? You don't believe God sometimes either. Oh, I, I mean, you know, I'm just saying. I mean, you got to think about it. It's not that you're saying, well, I don't believe you, God. You're not out, you know, bursting out and saying you don't believe him. But through our actions and things that we do, we don't believe him sometimes either. And when something's going on in your life and God promised you something, and let me test when, let me test that when you actually go back and look into the promises like we've been doing. And you begin to look into what God says about healing. Mm -hmm. This is a big one about healing. And you begin to look into what God says about finances. Uh-huh. Come on. And look into what God says about blessing your relationships. Uh-oh. That's a big one there because everybody's like, oh, uh, you know, I can just go anywhere and have a relationship. And that's not necessarily true. See? So you need the blessings from God for those relationships to come to be true and strong and giving you ideas, even giving you ideas and having the mind of Christ. When you really take those things, literally, do you know what changes would be made to your life in levels? Do you even think about that? If those actually came to pass, can you imagine that? I'm not talking about every once in a while get a faith accent to happen to where, you know, something happened. You got a prayer answered, but you know, 90% of the time you're not seeing any results. I'm talking about where God's word is literally coming to pass in your life. Can you imagine that? That's what God wants. That's exactly what God wants. You know what he has to do first, though, he's got to convince you. He's got to convince you to uh, uh, work well. If it's God's will, it it just happened. Oh, really? Then why did he need to come into blood covenant? Now, here's why. To show more abundantly to the heirs of promise. Let's say that again. To show more abundantly to the heirs of promise. The unchangeableness of his words, of his counsel, his word, his promise. He confirmed it with an oath. Have you ever noticed that covenant and promises go together? Covenant it's about promise, right? It's about promises. That's the point of covenant promise. I, I made a promise and I'm swearing in blood so that you'll know how serious I am about my promise. Everyone knows how promises and covenant uh, all, all through the Bible. It's all through the Bible. In fact, let me just show you a quick verse in Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Okay. Verse 11. Therefore, we remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are calling circumcision as covenant stuff by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ being alien from the commonwealth of Israel 
and strangers from the covenants of what are covenants about. Covenants are to convince you that God promised something. It is going to keep the promise. That's all it is. That's all it is. Their covenant of promise. God said he would do something. You said, how do I know? Some of you in here, I mean, even have said that. I mean, I've said it before. How do I know? I mean, there are. I tell you, there are. So many promises that God has made that affect our lives today. If you would tap into them, they would be in effect. Do you know that? Did you know if you just tap into them? But just because God promised them does not mean it's going to come to pass for you. He has to convince you first. This sounds weird, right? Why would God have to convince me of something that I should be receiving? Because you're not receiving it how he wants you to receive it. You try. This is the problem. They try to receive things the way you think, the way man and woman think that they should receive God's promises. And he's saying, I need to convince you first. And you're going to walk through water and you're not going to drown. You're going to walk through fire and you're not going to burn up. You're going to go through these trials and tribulations and you're not going to falter. You're not going to... You're not going to fall. You're going to keep going forth. You know why? Because I'm, during that time, I'm convincing you. I'm convincing you that I am going to keep my promise. I'm convincing you. And if you hold on and you start to show to him, you start showing to him, to God, that you are convinced by the way you now start living your life for him, for his son, Jesus, for the Christ and you start living this way, now you come to show God, I am being convinced. I am convinced. I am convinced without receiving a drop, without receiving anything at all. I am convinced that you will do these things that you say you're going to do. Sometimes it takes people a hard time to come get that through their minds and their hearts, especially with those around you that are trying to help you. They don't understand Covenant. So how can you, how can they understand that you need to be convinced that you're walking in, in the wilderness to be convinced? People hear wilderness, they think, oh, you stepped away from the faith. No, man. You know, Moses was in the wilderness. Wasn't he faithful to God? He was in the wilderness. What was he doing? He was working. He was bringing people to God, to the promised land. But anyway, let's keep going because God has having a tough time finding people on the earth that he could convince that he would keep his promises. And Abraham had the guts enough to say, God, how do I know that you're going to give me all this land? I mean, you got all these Hivites and everybody parasizing all these people, everybody on there. How do I know you're going to do it? And God said, bring out the animals, man. Bring out the animals. God needs to convince you that he's going to bring it to pass. And some of you are single, right? And you know the Bible says it's not good for men to be alone. That doesn't just go for men. It's for women also. It's not good. Now, who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from her. There are some promises here. Did you know this? Did you know this? But did you know that we doubt so big? We doubt some of you are so involved in some businesses and so on. And the Lord wants everything you put your hand on to prosper. But you know, you have struggled in doubting that you doubt whether things are going to work and, and you're taking such a big risk here. Everything you put your heart on, I, I can't do that. And you know, this same concept 
People keep from helping other people because they're thinking, I've worked so hard. I doubt that God's going to bless them. You ever heard that your blessing is answering a prayer of someone that's asking God for a blessing? And what if this happens? What if that happens? What, what, what if God, what is God trying to do here, people? Yes, God has to convince you, to try to convince you. What's the purpose of the covenant? See, he didn't have to give a covenant. He didn't have to do all that. What is he doing? He's saying, I'll swear in blood. I'll swear it in blood. What, what do I have to do to convince you that I will not go back on my word? Well, what about Uncle Billy? You know, I mean, he died. And he was sick and he died. And what about him? And what about, you know, and so on. And, and I mean, you know, she had this problem with her and we prayed and everything and nothing happened there. What about this? And what about that? Those are doubtful words of what if, what about, what about. We've got a lot of evidence, don't we? Oh, yeah, you can go down the line. You can write this down. That we have a lot of evidence against God. That's right, don't we? And if we just want to look with our natural eyes, we have a lot of evidence to discount and to disprove what God says. That's why it is so difficult for human beings. Because in our natural thinking, in what we've seen and with our natural eyes, it is difficult for us to look into the Bible and see promises that would love to come to pass in our lives. That God would just love to see this, but we're just not sure if they will. And I'm not, I'm just not sure if I'm, I'm good enough. You start thinking this way for God to do these things. I'm not sure if I'm good enough for him to do that. I'm not sure if God wants to do it for me and so, and so on and so forth, all right? But I want you to notice again, back in Hebrews, okay, God is determined to convince you. He's determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, the unchangeableness of his counsel, his word, confirmed it with an oath of blood covenant that by two unchangeable things in which is impossible for God to lie, okay, we might have strong consolation. And notice it says, for those who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. What does that mean? I mean, we're coming out of some messy things. We fled. We, we, we just, uh, some of us are just happy to be here. If you're into all that stuff of uh, all that thinking and all that stuff of Lord, you know how, you know, how does having to be saved and, and you know, and what I've got to come out of, why do I got to come out of all this, you know, and, and, and God, you already know all this stuff. Or, well, God knows my heart. He, he sees what I, I want to do. And, and God said, no. No. I want to convince you this. Now, you're not going to go in there and start thinking like a man and thinking like a woman. you got to go into the mindset of God. He's teaching you. He's going to convince you. And if it's taking you through the wilderness, then therefore you're going to go through the wilderness. If it's taking you through trials and tribulations, therefore you're going to go through trials and tribulations. If it's taking you through the depth of water, there you are. You're going to be neck deep. And don't panic. Don't panic. Okay? And when you see the fire is flaming up, don't start shouting out, help! And looking for self-preservation because God is trying to convince you in doing what? Believing Him. He wants to convince you in this. I need to convince you this. It's impossible for God to lie. And once you keep that 
embedded in your mind that God will not lie. He cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie. And you always remember that when something comes up, you remember your promise. Oh, well, God promised it's going to happen. Let me just sit here and do what I got to keep doing. Praising and worshiping and working for the Lord. Let me keep pushing the plow, so to speak, because that promise is coming. See, and when you stay focused, that way you scare the living daylights out of people. Oh, you scare them fiercely that they want to turn away from you without letting you know. You know, they want you to get away from them. They want to separate themselves from you. They'll even call you a blasphemer or, or, or disobedient even. They'll call you all kind of names because they cannot fathom the idea of how God wants to convince each and every one of us. Of this very thing that he just, it's impossible for him to lie. And embedding that in our minds and continue to walk this way with this in our hearts and our minds, we do what? We walk in faith. Hallelujah. We start shining. We come next to people, they feel it. Look at Peter when he will walk by people. What happened? They were getting healed. Why? Because undoubtedly in his mind, he was convinced. That what Jesus said about the Father and the Father said about Jesus was real. Was the truth and it was impossible for God to lie. If God said in his words, it is his heart to do it, how do you know that? Well, you ask God. How shall I know to shed the blood of Jesus? Right, right. Well, that's what he did. I swear it in blood. God said, I shall know. Uh, how shall I know? He will shed the blood of Jesus. That's what he did. He swore the blood of Jesus was spilt for us. That I keep the promises, says God. I will keep these promises. And that's how we know he kept the truth, right? Now, let's flip over real quick to the book of Romans in the fourth chapter. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Smack them pages over, all right. Let me show you something about this guy, Abraham, okay? Again, Abraham, yeah, I know, had a little bit, Abraham had a little bit different problem than what this, than what we have today. Romans chapter 4, I want you to come down to verse 17, and it says, as it is written, God said, well, that was, yep, that was verse 17, guys. Chapter 4, verse 17, as it is written, I have made you, a father of many nations in the presence of him who, whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Right? This obviously before Abraham had a son. And God's telling him, I have made you. Notice how God will speak as if it's already done. And it's not done yet, but he's speaking this way. Because he will not lie. He said, I'm going to do it. Now, when you start speaking this way, oh my goodness, it trips people out. They're like, is this person for real? <laughs> is it for real or delusional here? You know, wow. Some people get it. Some people get it right away. They're like, woo, praise the Lord, claiming it. In the name of Jesus, claiming it. Look at that. Confidence in the Lord. Confidence in, in what he says that will come to pass. It's as good as done. Even if God did say something that wasn't true once, he said it to be true, right? God said, let there be light. While well, it wasn't a light until he said it. And then what happened? There was light. So when God speaks, that's the force and the power of his words. That's why when 
we meditate on the Word of God and, and get it into our bodies. And by the way, those of you that are struggling with sickness or disease of any kind, Proverbs, the fourth chapter, the 20th verse, my son, give attention to my words, incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. That's God's word. That's what he said. That's what he said. That's a promise right there. That's a promise. Believe in that promise. My words are. That's the power of these words. These words are so powerful. They get inside of you. And they begin to do things that you can't see with your eyes. And sometimes you can't feel it with your body. But they start doing things in the spirit realm inside of you. And like the Bible says in Romans chapter 8. The Holy Spirit's the same spirit that raised of Christ from the dead. Will give life to your mortal physical. Mortal means subject to death will give life to your mortal bodies. This spirit who dwells in you will actually from the inside bring that life power forth of Jesus from the inside right into your body. It'll it'll loose right out, right? But did you know if you don't believe, you don't release it? If you don't like it, <laughs> sitting there with the faith and patience, stick with it. That it'll lay dormant inside and do nothing for you. If you don't do these things, you don't stick with it, you don't push forward, you don't come to uh, uh, um, your senses that God has shown you, trying to convince you of this power, convince you of these things, that his absolute truth is what it says it is. Not just saying it. There are some preachers that preach it, but still they have a little bit of doubt in there. All right, This spirit who dwells in you will actually from the inside bring that life power forth of Jesus from the inside. Right? that it it'll lay dormant inside of you like we were saying and what do you mean what do you mean by that laying dormant inside of you because that's a lot of questions i hear the young brothers already asking the sisters asking what what's, what does it mean by laying dormant inside of you and, and did you know that even though the holy spirit's mighty right he's he's powerful inside of you in there it does nothing for your body because it lays there it's not activated Ooh, who said that uh-oh, listen here. God still has to convince you of it. Even though it's right there. Somebody says, I don't feel like my prayers are getting any higher than the ceiling. They don't have to get higher than your nose, man. Because he's in there. He's right in there. He's walking around with you. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're born again, he's walking with you all the time. He, what? What's he waiting for then? People ask, right? What's he waiting for then? Let me see something. He's waiting for you to be convinced. Like I said, there's so much evidence that we want to talk and put down on paper. We want to show these things, right? We don't share them, but hey, we find them and that draws question and that question creates doubt. And that doubt just keeps us just a little bit further away from being convinced. What do you need to do? Give attention to the word. Give attention to the word needed in your heart to point that before that it dries out. Before it dries out, all of that doubt and unbelief that God loves you is going to help you just like he does with anybody else in the world. He loves you and cares about all the things that you desire. He wants to bring them all to pass and he's made promises. The things you can go uh, reference the promises to find out the things that you can go and find all these things out. 
what applies to your life. That's the glorious thing. That he's giving you the Bible to go through it and see it for yourself. See it for yourself. And there are two unchangeable things that make it impossible for God not to bring that promise to pass if, if you get into a position to receive faith and patience. Right? All right. So God said, Abraham, I made you the father of many nations. Abraham says, in the presence of him, whom he believed God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to help, to hope, talking about uh, Abraham again here, and, and the hope Abraham believed so that he became the father. Notice he believes first and became second. Uh-oh, listen now. Write this down. Abraham believed first and became second. He first had to believe this. He had to be convinced of this, that what he what God's promises was, all right, no matter what happened, when Sarah came and convinced him, oh, well, you know, you're too old, you're going to have to go lay with my mate, all that stuff going on there, you know, uh, still Abraham had to be convinced. And once he was first, he believed, then he became second. He had to believe that he was going to be the father of all nations, then he became the father of all nations. You don't become and believe. That's not the way the kingdom works. You believe and then become. You believe the promise. God's got to convince you first. Right? He got to convince you first. Now he believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be and not be weak in faith. He did not consider his own body already since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. You can be strengthened in faith to the same way giving glory to God. Go to the promise and thank God that it is true for you. And it will strengthen your faith. He was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And I noticed this and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform it. Abraham became, he wasn't always fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to perform it. I wanted to share with you that, that that's not your problem. You don't have a problem being convinced that what God said he would do and is willing to do, he's also being uh, able to do. That's not your problem. That was Abraham's problem because Abraham didn't know God. You know God. God just walks up to him one day and says, hey, uh, get out of your family's house. Get away from your father's house. Get out of this country. I'll bless you. Who are you? Right? He, he didn't have a Bible. He didn't go to Sunday school. You know, he wasn't raised in Sunday school. He didn't have any church. He was uh, out there, as far as we know, out there and around the country somewhere. And he's out there, you know, worshiping the sun even. You know, he wasn't familiar with God. He didn't know who God was. So, and God says, I'll do this. I'll do that. He had no idea if God would or if he was able to do it. Who was this? Who is that? What somebody you know, right? Well, just kind, just kind of throwing their voice from behind the rock. Abraham's tiny baby. You know, who is this? Who's saying that? But he was convinced. He was convinced there's something. There is something. This is over my head. I better listen. This is big. He was convinced of that. Oh, there's something mighty going on here. And somehow he believed God. 
<coughs> it was kind of uh, of him for it was it was kind of him for righteousness, right? It's considered him for righteousness. But notice, he said he was fully convinced that he what he had promised he was also able to perform. Yes, he came against some some things, some people, some armies that he didn't think he could. They were just farmers, but trusting in God. Believing and being convinced that God kept his promises, they went forward. That is trusting in God. I'll bet there's hardly anybody in here that's not convinced that God is able to do what he's uh, promised. It'd be, we're, we're pretty much all 100% here convinced, right? You know, we struggle with the things we struggle with, but will he do it? I know he can, right? But I don't know if he will, right? I, I don't know. I don't know. We can ask God. Because we have been highly developed in the fact that God's almighty, he's powerful. Abraham had not, right? He had not been developed in that. He, he didn't know who God was. It took him everything to strengthen himself to believe that God could. No, but I, I want you to notice what he wasn't doing. He wasn't uh, um, strengthening himself to believe that. God would, okay? He wasn't strengthening himself to believe this. His battle was believing that he could. Woo! There it is. Believing that he could through God's promises. That he could. And why? Why was it not an issue for him to believe that God would? Because God came into blood covenant. He knew he would if he could understand. I'm saying God ended all dispute with Abraham. When he kept the blood covenant, that was an issue for him. But Abraham doesn't know who this guy is. He doesn't know who God is. So he didn't know if really he'd never see a God. He's never seen a God do that before. To wipe out enemies and to give him land. He'd never seen any of that happen before. So that was a struggle for him. He'd never seen God do something or, or any God. Not just God, but any God. But he'd never seen any good or bad happening. Anything happen supernaturally to that extent. So he didn't know if God's ability was there. So he had to build himself up. All right, but that's not your problem today. That's not our problem. We don't need to build ourselves up. You already know that he's able. So what's your problem? Is he willing? And why? Because you didn't understand blood covenant like Abraham did. He wants the animals that are split. It was a done deal. It settled. Abraham had to convince himself that God was able to. You, you've got that able part down. You, you've got to be convinced that he's willing. Will he do it? And you know what? I tell you what makes it hard to be convinced that God's willing is we have teachers all the time telling that he's not. We have people teaching us. Well, you know, God might do it. It depends on you. And sometimes he might not have the time or, you know, you have to be patient with the Lord. But don't worry. He's God. He knows what he's doing. And they really don't give you no answer. They bring you they bring you to a standstill, right? Puts you into this standstill. And in this, brothers and sisters, I want you to, to focus on what we just went through. We're going to stop our the first part of the podcast here. And we're going to go into the second part next pretty soon. And um, it'll be up. It will complete this. But it's important for you to know right now, before you leave tonight, before you leave tonight, you don't need convincing. You don't need to up yourself. You need to look into the word of God, okay, and know it. Understand covenant. What does it mean to God? 
Can you constantly, every day of your life, walking around, doing everything that you do in your heart and in your mind, constantly in your mind, remembering that God cannot lie of those promises. Look for those promises in the Bible. Those promises that are for each and every one of us. Those children, those his believers, those that will seek him out, that will find his, seek his son. Listen to the promises that Jesus said. Because remember, what Jesus said, the Father put in his heart to say it. So therefore, whatever uh, Jesus spoke, God spoke it to him. All right, the Father spoke it to the Son, and the Son spoke it into the air to his brothers and sisters, to the disciples, that they shared it with each and every one of us in the world. So with that note, I love you, God bless you, and have a glorious uh, evening, and uh, I'll catch you on the rebound. In Jesus' name, amen.